Well, praise the Lord. Have you ever known anybody that went on a week-long cruise and lost weight? I haven't either. <laughs> praise God. <laughs> what a blast uh, we had. Thank you so much for praying for us while we were suffering for Jesus. And you were back here in beautiful East Texas. Amen. Uh, but it's great to be home. Turn, if you would, to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 11. And we'll begin in verse 12. It's the story of the fig tree where Jesus curses the fig tree. Every time I read this, I think about the woman that went to the grandmother's house after she had passed away and they were all there after the funeral and they were uh, reminiscing about the old fig tree and how much fun they had had under that fig tree and brought back precious memories to them of all the times that the family had been there and the dear grandmother and all the instances of that fig tree. And so the mother went out to the fig tree and she cut a couple of those limbs out of there and she put it in plastic and ironed it and everything, you know, for reminiscing sake and put it in the family Bible. Several years later, her little boy was reading the Bible. He'd read the story of Adam and Eve, how sin had first come into the world and how they tried to cover it up, made them a belt of fig leaves. He was reading that family Bible and all of a sudden he threw it down and he ran in the other room and the mama said, what in the world is wrong with you? He said, mama, I was reading the story of Adam and Eve, how sin came into the world and he said, the underwear fell out of the Bible. <laughs> I want you to think with me a few moments this morning about what it means to be all leaf and no fruit. All leaf and no fruit. Now, I almost always do expository preaching. That's, you know, if you know me, you know that. But this morning, going to be a little different. I just want to do topical. My preacher friends tell me that when you do topical, I mean, the only way to really do it is expository. You just go, we go through the book of the Bible and talk and preach and all that. My friends tell me, uh, pastor friends, that you read the text and depart thereof. Now, I'm not going to depart from the text. We're going to be in the fig leaves. But a topical sermon takes a nugget or something that's really special out of that one particular sermon and, uh, and, and, and then expounds on that. I want to do that this morning with that theme. It's a beautiful tree, but there's no fruit. What, it, what is it if you're all leaf and no fruit? Now, Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 12. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? And there's no children's church today. If some of y'all getting ready, just you know, calm down, just calm down. Because uh, there's no children. This is family day. Every fifth Sunday, we have all the families together. So we're going to keep it a G-rated sermon this morning, for the most part. And uh, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, and good. look at chapter uh, 11, verse 12. Let's do that. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And speaking of Jesus, and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Then look down at verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, Behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. 
And Lord, we sense you're in this place today. God, would you just continue to have your way in every one of our lives today, God? None of us are exempt. Oh, how we need you to fall fresh on this place and touch us, Lord. God, some in this place need the joy restored. Some need lifting up, encouraging. There are some in this place today that what they need more than anything in all of this world is to admit that they're a sinner and they cannot save themselves and they need to fall on their face before the one who can save them and, and, and ask him to take over their heart and life and save their soul this very day. Lord, have your way in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. One uh, of the characteristics of a Christian's life that is all, loo- all leaf and no fruit, or maybe another way to say it would be all show but no substance. Maybe another way would be all heat but no light. Maybe another way, all facade but no reality. Every one of us, uh, probably in this room, uh, there have been times when you get to be 60-something years old, there are times when you have money and you buy good stuff, and then there are times when you don't have money. And uh, we, we right now have a, I think, a beautiful entertainment center. Uh, it's all wood, uh, cherry, and I mean, it's really nice. But it hadn't always been that way. I remember a time when we wanted an entertainment center and couldn't afford a real wood one, so we went down to Walmarto. And I don't know, it was some kind of elm wood or some kind of a special wood there. And it, it was nice. I mean, it, it was nice. I said, that's the one we want. And that thing would have fit in a shoebox. Had probably two to 3,000 screws in it. And when I finally did get it together, it did look nice until you nicked it. And see, you could nick that thing and find out real soon that there was no substance underneath it. Mm. That's kind of what we're talking about here with a Christian. It looks good. Formica countertops are the same way. Now, you can do Formica on real wood and do that, but the cheap way to do it is, and, and it looks nice. It looks beautiful. They've got Formica now that looks like granite. Looks like marble from afar off. But you get a little leak in that Formica, and you let a little water get up underneath that stuff, it will swell up. That particle board will become, begin to fall apart, and you'll find out there's not a great deal of substance to it. Same thing with the Formica. I mean, we, we built our house and it had Formica. My wife wanted granite. I said, babe, we're a Formica family. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're trying to build a house, now women don't understand these things, but if you start out here, you can add on to the future. And there was a time where we added on granite. Now, one of the reasons is because I'd set a hot frying pan down on the Formica and it does... <laughs> It, it, will, it will substantially leave a mark there when you put a hot pan on Formica. Uh, uh, but uh, literally, it looks good until the water rises or the fire falls. And many people today are trying to do Christianity on the cheap. Rather than get something real and sincere, they said, just, just get us anything, preacher. Let's put a little veneer on it. Nobody can tell the difference. It really looks good. Till the storms come, 
the wind blows, the water rises, adversity falls, and suddenly you realize that the life you have is nothing but a cheap knockoff piece of laminate. What's the characteristics of a life that is all leaf and no fruit? Let me just give you three things. It will be through. Number one, an all leaf but no fruit life would mean all talk but no action. All talk but no action. The fig tree here is in full bloom. The leaves are filled out. It looks good. Jesus saw it from afar off and he saw it. It looked really good. But the closer you got to it, the more you realize there's no fruit. All show, no substance, all talk, no action. <laughs> I remember several years ago, it wasn't in this church, but it was another church. We were in a Dillard's store, and uh, this lady was uh, there, and, and we were talking, and we were talking to the clerk, and she was witnessing to the clerk when we walked up to her. And the clerk was talking about what a great church. At that time, it was Ridgewood. And boy, it's just a warm, friendly church. Brother Charles is a great pastor. You really ought to come. And, and I noticed out of the corner, I, I just, when I hear something like that, I just kind of stand off. I got back behind the women's underwear there, somewhere back in there. I don't know. I was kind of back in there just kind of listening in. And uh, <laughs> so help me. This is the truth. I'm telling you with my hand up. This guy says, oh, yeah. Boy, let me tell you, Ridgewood's the best church in town. Got the best choir. Oh, that choir. You've never heard a choir like that. Warm spirit. Everybody's just great. Everybody's just... And the lady that was started witnessing to the clerk, it was a shoe department. She's kind of looking at this guy. And I'm thinking, hmm. And I know both of them. I know I can count on one hand in 10 years the time he's been in church. And I'm thinking, wow. So the clerk goes back to get some shoes for this other lady in the church. And while he's gone, she looked at him and she said, you know, it wouldn't hurt you to come to church every once in a while either. <laughs> oh, whoa, all talk, no action. All talk, no action. There's, there's no substance there. It looks good far off. I remember many years ago, the first pastor I was really with in the city was Brother A.R. Moore. And he, he, I didn't want to pattern my ministry after him, but he was mean as a junkyard dog. He'd retired from the Air Force, and he was big guy. And I mean, you, I, I didn't mind going anywhere with him. I went anywhere with him. But we were at, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant one day, and this guy comes over and sits down with us, and he's talking about how great the Sunday school is in the church and how powerful the preaching is and, and, and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking, that's great. I got back in the, we, Brother Moore had an old van, always had a tin plate on it there that advertised the church, a disgrace to the church, but he always rolled around in it. And we got back in that van. I said, Brother Moore, is that guy a pastor of church around Shreveport here? He said, oh, no, he's a member of our church. I said, really? Hmm. See, that's, that, that, that's, that's all talk and no action. And every one of us in this room are better talkers than we are walkers. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about from the pulpit on down. If you think I'm exempting myself, you're wrong. You're wrong. Every one of us are better talkers than we are walkers. We preach it by the mile and then we live it by the inch. The Christian from China went back to China, and they asked him, they said, did you see any problems in the church in America? And he said, only problem I see the church in America. Too much talky-talky and not enough walky-walky. 
When our lives are so characterized with an abundance of talk and not action. Now, I'm not saying we're talking too much. There's nothing wrong with godly talk. There's nothing wrong with being excited about the, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying the problem is the absence of a godly walk to go along with the godly talk. That's what the problem is. I heard an evangelist tell a story at the evangelism conference. He had just gone in. He was in evangelism, but he was a pastor in then. And he had just gone into town as a pastor of a new church. And some of the men got together and said, Oh, we need to go see Brother So-and-so. He's a great Bible teacher. Man, tremendous man. We need to go see him. And uh, the pastor said, Well, you know, I don't mind going to see him, but look, I, I'm not into this proselyting other people. He said, well, he's, he's, he's not going to any church. He said, well, what church has he been going to for the last two years since he got, he got put out at this church, so he just quit going to church? What church has he been going to? So he's not going to any church. The pastor said, then I don't need to go talk to him. He can't tell me anything about the Bible. If you don't know enough about the Bible to get in a New Testament local church, don't you be telling somebody else about the Bible. That's all talk. That's no action. Jude says it like this. I was going to write that down and I didn't. Jude chapter 12, uh, verse 12. There's only one chapter in Jude. And I know this is talking to the apostates, but literally it, it speaks to Christians too. These are spots in your feast, he said, of charity when they feast with you. And listen to them. Feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water. Carried about of the winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. You ever seen a, a waterless cloud? You remember a couple of years ago when there's such a drought? Man, I mean, everything was dried and it was burnt up. We were going in different places trying to find hay to feed the cows around here because everything was just dead. And there'd come a cloud and everybody'd get excited. They'd say, Whoo, I hope it rains today. And suddenly the wind would kind of pick up and blow the cloud out you know the only time those clouds are really good is for Baptist on Sunday if they see a cloud in the sky that'll keep them from church but other than that you know why the cloud blew off there was no water particles in that thing to hold it down and there are a lot of Christians just like that just floating around all talk no action it made a promise by its appearance but it couldn't be supported by its substance we, we got to watch our mouth like that because sometimes our mouth will take us places that our commitment won't keep us. Mm. I was listening to the greatest theologian I have in my life, Andy Griffin. <laughs> and it was the episode of Aunt Nora and Uncle Ollie. I don't know if you remember that. But Aunt Nora and Uncle Ollie came to town, and Uncle Ollie knew everything. Told Andy how to run the sheriff's department, stole the squad car, blaring through town with the sirens wide open and everything. And, uh, you know, visiting families kind of like fried fish. After about three days, they start stinking. <laughs> and oh, Andy began to try to figure out a way to get Ollie and Nora out of town and back to their house. And, uh, I, you know, hey, I'm already a false prophet anyway. Would you watch this clip with me here? 
You want some of the papers? I just want to see the sports page. We'll see how the Mayberry Bears made out last night. We have received a report from Mihawk in South Carolina. Authorities at the state prison there report that three members of the notorious Felch Brothers gang have escaped. Their escape was ingeniously conceived. They used a homemade gun, later revealed to have been carved out of soap. They are armed now, however, having relieved two guards of their weapons. That concludes our news report at this hour. What do you do in a case like this? Nothing, usually. When they break out of Mihawk and they generally head for the coast. Good thing they're not headed this way, huh, Andy? <laughs> we take care of them, huh? Gee, Paul, would you really chase the crooks? Sure. They headed this way, why? Andy and me would take care of them in two winks, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna make my rounds. Excuse me, Alec. You won't be needing a patrol car for anything, will you? No, go ahead. <laughs> Hello. Oh, yes, sir. They did. Caught both of them, huh? Oh, good. Thanks for letting me know. I was standing by, but I figured you'd call me if, if it was headed this way. Right. Thanks. escaped convicts we heard about on the radio I just got a call from the sheriff over in Mount Pilot and they've been seen in this area you uh, mean real close by yeah just on the outskirts of town listen I'm going after them, but I'm gonna need some help I'll throw an extra rifle in the squad car and come by for you I'll be there in a few minutes now you youngers get on in that car <laughs> at home. Positive. I turned it on for the coffee and forgot to turn it off. Now, you know what's going to happen next. That coffee will boil over and put out the flame. First thing you know, boom. <laughs> nice nurse. But come on, Lisa, let's go. We might be able to save the furniture. Well, I'm sure I turned it off. Well, when in doubt, let safety be the byword. That radio shorts out with the whole house will catch on fire. You left the radio on, too? Huh? Oh, yeah, radio. Radio and gas. Radio and gas. Oh, come on. man, man. Well, let's go. Bye, baby. Let's go. Wasn't that good? <laughs> I remember not long ago, it's been a while now, everything not long ago, a staff member came in and 
said, whoo, we're always looking for people to fill the slots of ministry. And they said, we're so excited. Sister so-and-so is going to take that job. And they were just thrilled. Uh, that staff member is not with us anymore. But anyway, they were just thrilled. They were just so happy. I wasn't real happy because I knew that Sister so-and-so was spiritually kin to Aunt Nora and Uncle Ollie. When the going gets tough, all they know how to do is throw the suitcase in the car and haul it. All talk, no action. Mm. Well, the second thing that I see here too that I just want to mention is when you're talking about all leaf and no fruit, you're really talking about all height and no depth. All height and no depth. It looks great on the surface. The problem is not above the surface. The problem is below the surface. And there's more attention when you see a group like that that is on the seen than it is on the unseen. So much time we spend trying to keep up with appearances. How long did you spend putting your makeup on this morning? How long did you spend fixing your nails? Guys, do you, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'll own up to it. I've been to a pedicure. Now, I didn't let them paint my nails, my toenails, but... They cleaned those things and all worked on my feet. Every man ought to do that one time. One time. You guys that are going every week now, I've got a little problem with you there. <laughs> I mean, we spent all this time coloring our hair and putting sprinkles in and, and, and doing all this. And, and I just wonder how... How it would be if we spent as much time getting ready spiritually as we spent getting ready physically. Now, 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 don't get out of here and misquote me. I'm not saying don't do that. Let me tell you, ladies, you continue. <laughs> A little paint never hurt an old barn. You continue <laughs> to put that makeup on. And you continue... But what I'm saying is, or, oh, I'm bad. <laughs> I'm bad. what I'm saying is, have we ever stopped that? How, how many this morning, don't, don't dare answer this, but how many of you spent 10 minutes in prayer this morning praying the Holy Spirit would fall on this service? Or you spent all our time, I'm talking to all of us, we spent all our time trying to get here, and we haven't prepared for it spiritually. I, hmm. Did you pray this morning about what God wanted you to give? You say, thank God we've already had the offering. We may take another one. That way you could stand before God twice. We're involved in building for eternity, and you're going to get newsletters, and you're going to get details, and there's going to be a banquet, and there's a town hall, and all the questions are going to be answered. But I want to tell you the most important part of building for eternity is the prayer emphasis, getting us ready spiritually. That happens next weekend. There's a prayer vigil. And then there's a spiritual emphasis in Sunday school, Bibles, life groups. Let me get the right word out there. And then there's a spiritual emphasis in the worship service. All of that preparing our hearts. Because I want to tell you, folks, here's the truth. Folks who have a problem giving, it's not a financial problem. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. Hadn't got anything to do with finances. We'll talk a little bit more about that. You know what we need to stop doing in the church? Now, I know you've got to have both ends. 
We've been playing defense too long in the church. Building for eternity is going to build a building that will be a tool to use not just to help troubled families. See, we spend all our time trying to help troubled families. What would happen if we spent our time and resources trying to build up families that are already in the house of God? Why do we have to wait till the whole world caves in before we say, well, let's pray for somebody? We need to spend more time on offense rather than defense. Let me just ask you, if we got it real close to your life, uh, real close, would we recognize you? I mean, if we got up close, not, not from a distance, not from the pulpit out here, or not from you up here, but I'm talking about if we got up close, if we got to know you like God knows you. Somebody said this, I thought it was pretty good. We ought to live in such a way that we wouldn't mind selling the family parrot to the town gossip. <laughs> Not only, though, do they seek the seen rather than the unseen, but they also focus on the temporary instead of the permanent. Uh, Dr. Matt Queen, several weeks ago, preached one of the best sermons I've ever heard on the parable of the soils out of Mark chapter 4. And one of the instances, one of those four kinds of soil is a soil that fell on rocky ground and it sprang up and it really looked good until the storms came and the reason it withered and died is not because it didn't look good on the outside but because there was no root system it withered and and had no root I know of a church in our denomination that went from a zero to about a thousand in probably about two years time I got letters and I got emails. Let's go over and see that preacher. Everybody needs to go see him and talk to him. We need to travel there, have lunch with him, see how they're doing it. They went from zero to a thousand in two years. We've got to pattern our church after that. And then he had a affair. How many of you know adultery is still wrong even if you're a preacher? And that church went literally to a place where another church had to take it over and they became a satellite of another church see folks a lot of things that look glamoury and glitzy on the outside there's one simple solution to a lot of that stuff it's called time there, there's no no getting around the word of God God's got a way for a church to grow and yet we spend millions of dollars as Southern Baptists trying to create new ways to grow when God's already told us he'll grow his own church. If we just preach the word of God, <laughs> it's right there. But we'd rather go do our plans than we would do God's plans. I'm just telling you, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves If the Lord takes me home this afternoon from a heart attack, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not looking for it, if I could live through that chocolate buffet, I think I can live through anything else. So I'm not looking for the Lord to take me home. But if he did, and I got out of here, and, and some of you begin to say, well, what are we going to do now? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. This church is founded on the rock of Jesus Christ. It's not a pastor. It's not a staff. It's not a type of worship. God's in this place. Mm. put down roots 
because life sends storms. What Life sends waves, life sends winds. What happens when a person's all leaf and no fruit? They become all talk and no action. They become all height and no depth. And then thirdly and last, all leaf and no fruit is all take and no give. Did you know, I got to look in, about the only thing a fig tree is good for is bearing figs. No one has ever called me to their house and said, Preacher, I want you to come over. I've got a new fig wood floor. I want you to see. I've never had anybody do that. No one's ever come over and said, this entertainment center is made out of fig wood. (laughs) If a fig fig tree's not going to bear figs, there's no use for it being around. Maybe kindling wood. That's it. I mean, you hear about pine, you hear about cedar, maple, oak, ash, all of those things. But in the middle of that tree, it's useless without the fig. But it's still taking the nutrients from the soil. It's still sucking the life out of the, the ground around it. We uh, are always trying to teach our grandkids, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. It's really funny. The ones that live next door to us, they are good at doing that. We've got some high-class kids though, up in Dallas. They go to the bathroom, never think about washing their hands. And so we have all the, you know, we have all these things about parasites. And Papa, what's a parasite? Well, it's something that gets under your fingernails there. You know, and the parasite and a politician, they're almost the same. One's a blood-sucking animal and the other's an insect that gets on your dog. <laughs> but these parasites will get under there and they'll literally suck the life out of you. It lives on a host or in its host. It's all take and it's no give. And there are three areas that that comes really up to par with. Number one is service. There are folks who never miss a corporate service. They're always here. They're always ready. They want the preacher to be at the hospital. They want the choir to be ready. They want a warm time of fellowship. They want great inspiration. Don't tick them off now because they'll take their nickel down to the next spiritual buffet. They want the nursery to be first class, but they've never. Now, I'm not talking to y'all. You're a great church, amen? I'm serious as a heart attack. You're a tremendous church. I'm talking to a lot of these people, but I guess maybe I am talking to some of you. They want the nursery to be first class, but they're not going to work in it. They want the visitation program to be hot for Jesus, but they're not going to come on Monday night. They complain about boring teachers, but they're not going to teach. trash down there on the floor we'll reach down there and pick it up no we we got somebody else that'll do that nobody spoke to me could, could I just give you some common sense this morning if you're in a church with 700 people and nobody spoke to you that probably means you didn't speak to anybody If you're in a church with 700 people and nobody shook your hand, that probably means you didn't put your hand out to shake it with nobody else. Huh? I know we got some folk who look like they's weaned on persimmons and baptized in pickle juice, but for the most part, <laughs> this is the hardest working church group I've ever seen in my life. God has blessed us tremendously with a desire to work. 
And I praise God for it. There's a little story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Let me ask you something. What are you doing for the cause of Christ and for the kingdom of God? Now, we have a, 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 just an attitude around here. We're not looking for a few people to do a lot of things. We're looking for a lot of people to do a few things. I, I'm not asking you to, to get so overloaded. I know your yard's got to be mowed. I know you've got to take your wife to the mall shopping. Don't you? Oh, man, you don't? Well, then we can have another work night. We'll just send all the ladies to the mall and the men come up and work. I know all that. Also an area of soul winning. Many of you, I've been in your homes, and one of the first things you said, boy, we've never been to a church where immediately somebody came to see us. And then somebody else called us. And then somebody else came, and now you're here. Man, we've never, we love that. We're going to join Woodland Hills because we've never seen that before. But you try to get one of them out on visitation night, <laughs> for all the tea in China, they're not going to come. And then the last thing, I saved it for last because some of you are going to turn it off. I'm praying God open your ears. Stewardship. A lot of folk are all takers and no give. I know we've got a tough economy. I know there are tough things that happened all around us. But I want to tell you, in the midst of all that has happened in this country, this church has continued to grow spiritually, financially, numerically. God has blessed this place. And I wish I could say that's because every one of us in here are doing our part. But if every one of us in here were doing our part, we wouldn't be having a Building for Eternity campaign. We'd already have more money we knew what to do with. The statistics show that in a typical Southern Baptist church, 80% of the giving is done by 20% of the people. 50% never give anything. Hmm. You say, preacher, well, let me just ask you. I'm just being honest with you. What if everybody in this church gave like you gave? You say, well, we don't make as much money. I'm not talking about the amount. Our God is able to take a widow's might and multiply. I'm not talking about the amount. I'm talking about the attitude of giving. I know personally of a guy that was griping about his church. Preacher went in, very wealthy guy. Said, would you look up what he gave this year? It was in August late. It was $103. He said, would you write a check for $103? Took it to him and said, you know, you've not liked anything about this church. Here's what you gave this year back. You go find you another church. You say, preacher, now, you're getting personal. I'm not saying you have to agree with everything we do, but folks, this church has deacons. This church has a church council. This church has teams. We must be unified. We must be unified.
It breaks my heart when someone will say, hey, what, let's see about making so-and-so a deacon. And the first thing we do is the chairman of the deacons will call the secretary and say, look up his giving record. And then have to come back in deacons meeting and say, mm, he's not faithful in stewardship. Same thing on a financial team. Now, I want to tell you, I've gotten mellow in my old age. But I, I, I refuse. People who are on the financial team need to be tithers. And, and when I was, I mean, 10 years ago, I wouldn't even let anybody take up the offering that wasn't a tither. You say, preacher, you mean you wouldn't let some? No, you don't let crooks handle your money. <laughs> Malachi said, will a man rob God? Well, Lord, how have we robbed you? Well, you robbed me in your tithes and offerings. What if everybody in this church gave like you give? See, it's, it's not a financial problem. It's a spiritual problem. There's an autumn tree without fruit. There's a cloud with no rain. And there's all leaf and no fig. Would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? You look good as a church. You look really good. But I wonder this morning, in my instance, if the Lord Jesus Christ came walking down this aisle and he got up close to me, would he look at me and say, there's a few things you need to change in your life? Now, now listen to me. I love you. And I'm trying, I, I want to tell you, the truth of the matter is this. You are going to stand before God one day and he's going to examine your works. He's going to examine it. So I'm just asking you, is there something the Lord would say, this is what you need to change in your life? And you don't need to tell a preacher. You don't need to tell anybody else. You just need to come to the altar, fall on your face, and say, God, here I am. I'm going to do what you want me to do. It may be joining this church. God's the one who sends folks. He raises up his own churches in his own way. We've seen him do that right here. If you want to be a part of it and God leads you here, then you come here. If God doesn't lead you here, you go where God leads you. So I want to tell you, you need to be in the middle of God's will. wonder what God would say, I want you to change this. Maybe today God's saying, what you need to do is be saved. You need to be saved. Oh, I, I, wish, I, could, I wish I could get that message across in some adequate way, but I can't do it. All I can do is pray, Lord Jesus, let your Holy Spirit bring conviction upon those who are lost. Those that need you and yet don't even know they need you. Those who've been blinded by the God of this world, Satan himself. Lord, would you redeem them this very day? Would you deliver them from what they're in right now? Lord, I ask you to let this invitation be a glory and honor to you and a praise to you. Let your will be done in the name of Jesus. I pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Brother